Hey everyone, welcome to Hardcore Football, a passionate look at the world's game. Wait, that's not the that's not the tag. I'll take that again. An intense look? Is it an intense look at the world's game by two passionate Americans? I think that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll I take like that the again. Other one too, but that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> a passionate look at the world's game by two intense Americans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. Now that you put it like that, <laughs> <laughs> just us yelling for two hours. Hey everyone, welcome to Hardcore Football, an intense look at the world's game by two passionate Americans. I'm your host, Phil Baki, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mika Burrell. Mika, welcome. Yeah, welcome. Welcome back, right? We had another like little layoff. It wasn't that bad this time. It was no. a couple weeks, but... Yeah. Yeah, we're back. We, we are... Um, yeah, for those for those of you uh, finding hardcore football for the first time, um, you can find us on all the major podcast platforms, and you can find us on Twitter at HXC Football. So check us out, um, Mika. How's uh, how's how's life aside from the absolute carnage we saw this weekend? <laughs> Pretty good, man. Um, I had I don't know about you, but I had to work today. I didn't even know yeah. it was a holiday until the Starbucks barista was like, "You too." <laughs> and i was like oh were we not supposed to be working but yeah working um and watching all the footy that i can when i'm not doing that how have you been yeah a lot of a lot of work um a lot of a lot of well we're we're preparing for our for our arrival so me and me and my wife found out we're having a baby girl so that's the the big news on the block. Um, but yeah, so I like spent this weekend watching footy and I hung some shelves in the nursery. So, Oh my goodness. It's becoming real. Um, so I'm just preparing myself. Got that summer signing wrapped up already. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> joining in, <laughs> joining on a free. Um, well, actually that's a lie. <laughs> this shit that's is expensive. It's crazy. Hey, say. yo, I, I'm in the wrong business because these these infant goods or whatever whatever these childcare goods this is a racket. <laughs> I had no concept, and I'm not going to go too deep into this, but like because it, it's a rabbit hole. But I had no concept the cost of some of this shit. I thought like, oh, this is a nice stroller, like a really nice stroller is probably like a hundred bucks. No, like this shit. <laughs> you can finance these things like oh my god i need like some of these some of these strollers it's like and you know with the chip shortage like <laughs> <laughs> it's it is it's like they're luxury cars like <laughs> fine crafted italian leather just like wait what the fuck what am i buying like it's just like Why your baby having an alfa romeo stroller? Yeah. like what <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so anyways, yeah, no, but, um, aside from that, yeah. So joining on a, it, this is a pretty high <laughs> transfer fee actually on this, <laughs> on this summer signing, Lots um, of, uh, performance bonuses. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. That's awesome though. It really is. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's cool. And we'll, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a pretty crazy summer, but, um, but yeah, looking forward to it. Um, in the meantime, plenty of football to take in and, uh, 
And we had, we, we were kind of allowing ourselves again to be guided by the listener questions. And, and, uh, our friend on Twitter, Harry at Ram and Cole, um, asks a question that sort of teased us up. He said, as we head into March, who are the favorites in the big leagues to capture the title and will playing in the champions league help or hurt those in contention? Welcome back at HXC football. This is kind of the theme of the episode. Like we're talking about some title races, talking about some title races that maybe, maybe we thought were over uh, some title races that seemingly no one wants to take control of um, and some title <laughs> races that may be in the bag. So it, Harry really, it really teed us up with this one. So Mika, where, where do we start? I guess is a question. Yeah, we got to start with the Premier League because the, you know, the team that was running away with it or so we thought Manchester City did get beat this weekend at the Etihad. Um, so yeah, Manchester City 2, Tottenham Hotspur 3. Um, I mean, what did you make of this, Phil? Did you watch it? I did. It, and it was yeah. funny because I didn't actually, uh, like I cut it on almost as a, there was like a slight, like, yeah, this could be interesting. I don't know, but it's at the Etihad. Like they'll probably get blown away Spurs and, mm-hmm. um, and then, Kulisevsky scores early inside the opening 10 minutes. And all of a sudden I'm like, Hmm, maybe something, but I was, I was convinced the whole time that Tottenham were going to blow it. Like I was, I was truly convinced. Um, and, uh, there's, there's been instances of that in their past (laughs) (laughs) and credit to them, like credit to them throughout this, that they, they fought back. And I mean, despite that late penalty concession, which, little harsh i you know i was looking through biased through a biased lens i thought it was a little harsh harsh on romero um but anyways yeah i think it's a great result for spurs i also think this is the type of match that people would have looked at antonio conte and said like okay this feels like antonio conte like this feels like the type of result that he would go out and get for sure for sure and i mean with this result, he now has a winning record against Pep Guardiola. Three wins, two losses. You know, the the vast majority of their history coming when he was a Chelsea boss, of course. But um, this was, I think, as close to a Conte masterclass as we've seen this season with Tottenham Hotspur. And, like, I'm not going to lie. It, it was I didn't understand it at times. <laughs> like it, there was definitely one of those like it, there's a method to his madness and I, I don't get it because at some point Spurs were playing with a back six yeah and I was like this looks like a joke like <laughs> you're not like just end line to end line there's defenders like yeah <laughs> and, and it worked I mean in terms and it wasn't like they were like bunkering necessarily but more just ha- letting City have the ball and I think that's something too that Spurs have become comfortable with if you will is not having the ball because they've been under Jose Mourinho um I won't count Ryan Mason but you know Nuno and, and now Conte who all all his teams really all those all those managers um want their players to be comfortable without the ball and so in that way this matchup like really worked for Spurs yeah um and so yeah they would be in this like back six with like you know the midfielders and the Hoybergs and whatnot covering um, but they were brilliant going forward too. And, and Kane, like 
it's just so crazy the trajectory that this season is taking on for him because you know they open the season to City mm-hmm. without him after the debacle yep. in the summer of the failed move to City. They beat City. The fans are singing like, "Do you see this, Kate?" and all this to go from that to like a starring role in the in the reverse fixture is just nuts. And he was excellent. I mean, probably you know with. I guess Kareem Benzema, like probably the best playmaking striker in the world. I mean, just a, an elite passer of the ball. Um, City's line did not know what to do with it. Ruben Diaz kept stepping up on him and getting completely burned and out of position when he came with pass the ball, especially for uh, yeah Kuliszewski's opener. I think mm-hmm. so. Uh, he was he was excellent. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. as much as it pays me to say as a, as a gooner, but I got to give Spurs their their credit because they were really really good. Um, and hopefully, you know, for their sake, hopefully they kick on from here because there have been some shockers recently in the league for them. So this is a yeah. big scout. The one, the one thing I will say about the Kane thing, um, because in this match, like you said, and I think he's been he's been rightly praised for the level that he reached in this match. And there's a really funny moment because I was watching some of the punditry like from England, uh, like after after the match. And there's a lot of discussion and I mean, it's including the likes of like Glenn Hoddle and like, you know, so I mean, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. But <laughs> the one thing that I found really interesting was the host of the show asked the rest of the panel, if you're a Spurs fan, you'd be forgiven for asking like, where have you been like mm. up until now to Harry Kane? And it was really interesting the responses from the panel, because I think we've seen the reverse of this or like the, the, the photo negative of their response often in the case of like foreign players. So Harry Kane, they say like, well, he would have been like convinced that he's getting this move to city and he would have been like mentally already there. And then the move falls through because Daniel Levy like makes the decision to demand more money and all this stuff. And, you know, Harry's like got to sort his head out and he's got to like, it's not easy. It takes time to like come back and like really put your head down and like get back into it for your squad. How many times over the years have we heard the reverse of, Hey, the move didn't happen. Get over it. Like you're here. You need to focus on giving your all for this team, like sort your head out. Uh, like, you know, I, I just feel like the reverse of that. I feel like there's a lot of excuses being made for Harry Kane, which I'm not even saying they're wrong for giving him the leeway of like the mental kind of whiplash that he went through over the summer and being convinced that he'd be moving. And then suddenly he's not, um, I don't even like criticize them for forgiving Harry Kane, but like how many other players have they not let off the hook for the same behavior? Um, And so that was the only thing that kind of struck me post game was how everybody was really willing to be like, Oh yeah, he showed out because he's like, this is part of like, he's showing city what they're missing and blah, blah, blah. And then, but that same response like has not been the case when, you know, uh, other, other players who have tried to force moves in the past and failed, like they often don't get that sort of leeway. Yeah. That's actually really interesting. Cause I think it could be explained a lot simpler. Um, Harry King 
historically starts season slowly. He's got like this weird stat of not scoring in August. And, yeah. you know, to be fair, it's been a bit more of a dramatic, like, dip, I guess you could say, given what happened over the summer. But yeah, that is interesting. And you're right. I don't think that the same kind of grace would be extended to other players in that in that similar of a situation but i mean is this is this a huge like loss for city or you think like this is one that they just need to to get over quickly and on top of that i'll just throw this in too because this can lead into to kind of the liverpool side of things but sure. at slim underscore simba says do y'all think Liverpool will close the gap and grab the top spot on the table before the end of the season? Which is like a really long-winded way of saying, do you think Liverpool will win the Premier League? <laughs> <laughs> I Okay, so I think, I think first and foremost, this can be a big defeat for City if it leads to Pep like overthinking or like changing up really what they've been doing the rest of the season. Um, because I think the reality of this game is that they're, they're the woodwork and maybe like, and a really good Hugo Lloris save away from this, not actually be like city still winning this game. Um, true in terms of chances created all those things, there weren't a ton of like really, really great chances. Like we're used to city scoring where they just, you know, it's ball across the box, like tap in that sort of stuff. Like we're not, we didn't see that, but we did see plenty of like half chances and, you know, situations where city like typically score from. So I would say like if they freak out and use this result as some sort of like big catalyst for him, like changing up what he's doing or making changes like in the starting lineup or anything like that. I mean, they're still in good form. Like overall they've, they, they, just got done like absolutely destroying sporting in the, in the champions league. Um, so I think if they don't get too much, like if, if they just stick to the plan, I feel like it, it could easily be a, Oh, remember when they lost to Tottenham and then won 20 games in a row or whatever, like that, you know, that sort of run is, is very possible. And I think the only other variable out there is if, is if teams can find ways to frustrate city in the way that Spurs did. But the reality is that most of the premier league does not have Harry Kane, young Minson and Dan <laughs> Kulisevsky, like as their counterattacking options. So, I mean, the reality is like most teams won't be able to hit city quite as hard as, as uh as Spurs did in the on this occasion but as far as Liverpool catching them I mean it's possible for sure and if any team if any team can keep the pressure on City till the end of the season it's it is this Liverpool squad as long as everybody remains healthy and all those things but I think you know same goes for City um you know this is barring any catastrophic like injury form or whatever COVID outbreak or, you know, like whatever could happen in this crazy season. Um, so I think, I think Liverpool will keep it interesting. Um, I don't necessarily, depending on the amount of competitions that Liverpool still in come the end of the season, I don't know that they'll end up like prioritizing the league. If it's not, if it's not like level or they gain some sort of lead and ultimately 
ultimately it's not in Liverpool's hands because if city went out, they still win the title. So, um, so it'll, it'll take, you know, city slipping up. Um, and at best, I guess if, if Liverpool went out, including the match against city, then, but city also went out, then they'd be level on points and it would come down to goal difference. So, um, Oh my goodness. So, yeah, I mean, the reality is it, it, there's only so much that Liverpool can control at the moment. And, and I think we'll have to just see how city react. Um, cause my money is on them coming out of the blocks and destroying whoever is, whoever's next on the, on the docket for them. Yeah. I, I think I told you after, immediately after the result that I wasn't convinced that there's a title race yet, but now realizing that city and Liverpool still have to play each other. I think I've kind of changed my mind a little bit on that. I think right now. Yeah. I guess you mathematically there is. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. If Pep goes full like tinker mode with the tactics and with the lineup, then, then sure people can get at them. And as we know, when someone gets a big result over city, everyone will try and emulate what Spurs did. Yeah. Um, and, and try to come for them. But um, yeah, we'll just have to see how, how city does down the stretch. They're still, I think best position to win the league to be yeah. fair. Um, just in terms of depth quality, the lead that they have built up. So yeah. And a lot of their big games, including the game against uh, Liverpool in April is at home versus they've already gone to Anfield this season. So right. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be really, really interesting to see how it goes. They've got Everton next. I expect Everton to be absolutely evaporated by the time <laughs> that game is <laughs> over, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe big Frank can, uh, can steal a march on the, on the champions elect. Um, <laughs> I would be shocked. Um, City, though, not the only Manchester club involved in a in a cracker of a match um, this weekend and maybe not as consequential in the title race, but consequential certainly for fans of both of these clubs. Uh, Leeds United to Manchester United four at Ellen Road in in Leeds. Um, this how significant of a result is this for Manchester United? I think it's really big, especially when you factor in that they did give up their two goal lead <laughs> on the road to a rival uh, who, you know, made it difficult for them and, and in difficult circumstances. I mean, it was you know pissing it down with rain like the pitch was so waterlogged. People were having to smash the ball just to pass it, um, you know, difficult circumstances. And they still came back to score two more. And I think that. This will be the story of Manchester United. It has been the story of Manchester United for the most part this season. I think it will continue to be in that despite whatever dysfunction exists at that club, there's just so much attacking talent yeah. that it eventually will see them through against lesser sides. Um, will that always be the case week in, week out? No, of course not. But I'm just speaking, you know, generally. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, as a spectacle, though, this game was really good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> proper Barclays matchup uh you know it's two historic rivals two huge clubs in 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 that area of the of the country and just like everything about it the ambiance the the rain like all of it the tackles were flying in uh, unfortunately robin Koch got injured early yeah. uh pretty bad collision with i think scott mctominay who was like 
just amazing that he was still on the pitch, to be honest. Um, but <laughs> yeah. hey, that's kind of what some United fans really wanted to see out of him and, and out of the team in general is some some more grit. So yeah, I think it's a, a really big uh, result. And United, like I said, they'll stay in the hunt for top four on attacking quality alone, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it is big just from a just from a practical standpoint in terms of them holding off the chasing pack. Cause, and I say pack <laughs> to include wolves. Um, but the, the reality, <laughs> the reality is that Arsenal have three games in hand on United and are only behind by four points. So, I mean, there is a, a, a scenario here where Arsenal are actually fourth ahead of United. It, it after those games have been played, um, Wolves as well with two games in hand, only six points behind. So they could be level with United having played those games in hand, you know, in theory. So I think it is big just from a practical standpoint, but there was also a really cathartic sort of emotional reaction from the players as well. And you could tell just how much like getting one over a traditional rival. And I think the atmosphere at Ellen road, like um, I think it aided in making it feel like a big match um, because unfortunately like this, this particular Derby hasn't had fans since Leeds returned to the premier league at Leeds. They've, they've had fans at Manchester United this season, but, um, but yeah, so it felt like an occasion. um, And I feel like United's players responded to that. They showcased exactly why they're, you know, in the hunt for fourth and not in the hunt for the title with the, like giving up the, the two goal lead. And I think like the manner in which it happened, obviously <laughs> junior Furpo's goal is a total fluke. Um, but the immediate response of like conceding the second was, was really like, I think what shows that this United team is not quite, you know, they're just not quite there. And defensively, they are going to have these moments where, um, where they break down. Um, and yeah, so I do, I think it was, I think just from a sheer, yeah, moment of catharsis for this United squad, I think hopefully for their sake, something unifying because everything in the press has been like, there's all this locker room drama and, Ronaldo's trying to take the armband off Harry or Harry Maguire and all this stuff, like all the too many English Harry's, um, to be honest, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, so I think just from that practical perspective, I, I think it was really important for them. Um, and you know, Jaden Sancho played well, which is, is good to see. He, yeah, he is turning a corner, I think in his season. Um, I'm just glad that 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 looks like it will work out just for the good of the sport because he's very, (laughs) very talented and I cannot like stand the Bundesliga tax narrative. So (laughs) so I hope that he obviously comes good Um, and, you know, fair play to Leeds for battling, but they are they're just really affected by the uh, loss of key personnel uh Calvin yeah. Phillips namely among them and now Coco goes down and the, you know the 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 depth's not there Patrick Bamford's not available like it's just been really 
the story of Leeds' season, I think. And I don't know that there's much more that Marcelo Bielsa can do about that. Um, he said after the game that he felt that he didn't set them up right, which I suppose when you concede four, that kind of has to be your your uh, takeaway. But um, I think that Leeds have been pretty unlucky in that regard. Leeds uh, sit 15th and five points from safety. Watford gaining ground uh, on Leeds. Uh, in that 18th spot um, with a win over Aston Villa. Not that we're um, focusing on that, but, um, but yeah, uh, a, a big result for United as they keep that, that fourth spot for the time being and um, get a little bit of momentum headed into their champions league tie against Atletico Madrid. They play on Wednesday Um, two teams two traditional powers uh, facing off at the, in the height of their banter, banter eras. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> it's a true. Banter era? Yeah, I guess that it is happens so quickly for Atletico season. as well. It's a banter season for sure. If it's an era, we'll see, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that'll be <laughs> fascinating. Um, well, the, the race for top four is ultimately, the big, big question outside of the title race in the premier league. And oftentimes it does come down to kind of the final day. And it's, it, it is one of the more, even in a season where the, the title is, is run, ran away with, there are often, often some compelling final day matchups. Um, so Christian Canales uh, at fly one, three, zero nine, one on Twitter asks who gets the number four and number five spot in the premier league to secure their places in Europe. My, I think right now, I think Manchester United will probably get fourth. Um, and I might be betting against myself a little bit there, being an Arsenal fan, just to not jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just it's it's hard to look past all the options United have in attack. Um, then again, they could get distracted by you know other competitions um, if they do end up making it past Atletico, which is possible. Um, and then I'll 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 bet on Arsenal for number five. Um, obviously, the games in hand can be a blessing and a curse. Uh, you always want to assume that you'll win those, but it remains to be seen. Um, but the thing about Arsenal that I think is really encouraging is that we have a striker that doesn't score goals, and yet we're still winning games. <laughs> um, and uh, and you know, putting in very solid defensive performances. I think Brentford were. The, the two one makes the the result look like it was a close game and it really wasn't at all. Arsenal were very dominant. Um so if we see more of that from, you know, on average the youngest squad in the league, I think we could make Europe. But yeah, I'll go United and Arsenal in fourth and fifth respectively. Yeah, I like both of those shouts. I will I will say that West Ham's recent recent stutter, um, they've got one win in five, um, and in the league and they're just seeming like they're losing some of that magic that was, that was carrying them through. And the Europa league is about to start back up, which like, right there, there's about to be a whole host of Thursday night, Sunday night combos that they're going to get hit with, especially if they remain in that particular competition um, for any length of time. So I, I think West Ham is probably my vote of the current top five to drop out. Um, so, so I agree with you there. I think, I think United will likely 
will likely hold on. And I'm actually looking for, have they done the Europa league draw? I don't see any on West Ham's. I don't see it on their like schedule. So I thought they had a yeah. matchup, but <laughs> they, yeah. Cause they finished top of their group. Didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they definitely went through, um, whatever. I'll, I'll look that up. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think United and Arsenal is probably good. I will say, as a shout, because I know Christian is maybe mildly fishing for this. I will say that Wolves have an outside chance of sneaking in, but there is one key thing that they must do to to actually make this a reality and potentially sneak a, a Europa League or Champions League spot. And that is, they need to start scoring goals. <laughs> like, <laughs> they have allowed... 18 goals this season, which is second best in the league, like joint second best in the league with Chelsea right behind Manchester city. They're elite in terms of not, not allowing scoring. Wolves have played 24 matches. They have 23 goals. They need to start finding goals somewhere if they want to put up a serious challenge and they need to like start scoring in bunches because obviously they get a good win this weekend. They, and they're keeping that pace, but like 23 goals in 24 matches is not enough to like guarantee a top five finish. Right. I mean that there are, there are clubs in relegation places in other, on the continent with more goals than that. I think the only clubs with fewer goals, if I'm reading, if I'm reading the table correctly, the only clubs with fewer goals than wolves are Burnley, uh, with 20 and Norwich with 15, not the kind of company that wolves want to be keeping. Yeah. (laughs) To be fair. They have one less. Oh, actually. Yeah. They have one less than Watford in 18th. So, so the relegation, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is relegation goal scoring. They just have an elite defense to make up for it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I fully agree. Jimenez definitely gone off the boil a little bit there and not much in the way of yeah. help, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on the far outside, Spurs are still lingering. Sure. Right. Lingering because of the games in hand, lots of cancellations I mean, the, the, and things. The four, the race for fourth is like low key, more interesting. Yeah, than <laughs> the Premier League, uh, you know, the title in in some ways, but yeah. And uh, just the shouts as we as we said, Watford and Burnley get a couple of big wins. Burnley, I, it pained me so heavily to watch Val Veghurst like. He was emotional at scoring and I'm like, I'm happy for you, but you're at Burnley. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to reconcile that. So, um, yeah, he, he looks like a coup for Burnley. I mean, he cost half of Chris Wood's transfer fee to Newcastle and he looks to offer more than Chris Wood does in terms of yeah. being that huge target man, but also, you know, as we know from his Wolfsburg days, also having decent technical ability. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but hashtag Bundesliga uh, attacks. So <laughs> right. Yeah, of course, of course, you know, he's the Netherlands fucking number nine, but yeah. Yeah. Bundesliga attacks. <laughs> Uh, really low-key collecting internationals what <laughs> right 
<laughs> yeah, and Watford too, big win for them, um, which I think if you're Newcastle, you're like absolutely horrified at these two results because, yeah. you know, the Newcastle have been uh, improving markedly uh, after that big spend that they did. Yeah. Uh, but um, still not like completely safe, I don't think. I think they will be eventually, but um, yeah, just really interesting times at the bottom as well certainly yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see how the premier league shakes out and a a good weekend of 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 premier league football to take in but mika the league in terms of interest in the title race yeah is this season right now is Serie A, and we've been talking a lot about Serie A all season long um but this is really where the the hype comes in for sure i mean as as we saw today on the timeline that you know most goals scored in europe of the top five leagues is in seria um you know this is not your dad's calcio yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um we had a question from from mikey d you know resident interfan mxhel underscore on twitter he says where does seria sit in the ranking of most interesting leagues for y'all this season it's been absolute chaos recently. What do you think, Phil? Oh, number one, number one. <laughs> yeah. But the the crazy thing is that for me, part of this part of this interest in Serie A, because obviously the interest has always been there, and and like giant clubs, all those things. But the thing that's taken it to the next level this season is the move to to CBS and Paramount Plus. Like big facts. This has like leveled up Serie A in the U.S. to a crazy extent. And so like the accessibility of these matches for me personally, like and I know not everyone has Paramount Plus and and like I'm not judging anyone like for not. Although I would say take a look at your budget if you can find (laughs) the room absolutely do it because it is worth every penny. Literally a a cup of Starbucks coffee. (laughs) Yeah, like (laughs) <laughs> if you can find the room because between the champions league, I mean their coverage of the champions league and Europa league plus Serie A now, I like the, the levels that they've taken it to. And I think we've said this in the past, like I want all, like if I could have every league on Paramount plus, I absolutely would do it because CBS has invested so much in making the, the coverage like high quality. Yeah. Um, so and they, like have yeah. their pundits go to Italy yeah, like, and be at the fucking matches. Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, yeah. The, the broadcast package is certainly. So not to say that's everything, because this league absolutely stands on its own in terms of the quality, in terms of the in terms of the clubs involved, in terms of the players involved. But um, yeah. yeah, the accessibility now with Paramount Plus has just like totally leveled this league up for me. Facts. Let me ask you this, though. The top five all dropped points this weekend <laughs> and today, actually, not happily dropped points. Yeah. What was the most damaging result <sighs> or, or most damaging or most shocking? You can take those either way you want to. But I'm curious what you think, because I was looking at this like who like fucked up the worst here. I can't really tell. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to be honest, like, I think it's tough to look past, especially given the fact that inter Sassuolo had had like taken place I think or was being played at maybe the same time 
AC Milan not winning against the Lernitana, who have been absolutely like dire all season. Mm-hmm. That to me is is the biggest because the other matches, like you can see all of these results and be like, yeah, okay. Although I would say the Napoli Napoli drawing with Cagliari is pro, is is close to as bad, but Salernitana is has been so so bad. They're like nailed to the bottom of the table. They they've only scored when we're talking about scoring goals. Like they've scored sixteen, yeah, or no, sorry, nineteen in twenty four. They've allowed. They have a negative thirty six goal difference. They've allowed fifty five goals in twenty four matches. The oh this just like for Milan to be top and not get the job done, I, regardless of the fact that it was away. Um, that is that is to me the worst the worst of the results. With sure. Napoli Cagliari being a a close second. I yeah one hundred percent completely agree and. I think what really like was strange too about this Milan result was that Menon looked human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has been absolutely standing on his head for the Rossonero and they look, you know, he looked normal. Like he had a he made a big mistake to let Salernitana equalize, completely missed the ball, came out for it and just missed it. Um and and Salernitana always felt like they were in it. Um, because Milan just weren't at the races in the way that you might expect from the tabletoppers. So, yeah, I think even though they got a point, yeah. which Inter cannot say that they did, this is way more unforgivable than losing to Sassuolo, who have Scamacca, Raspadori, Berardi. Yeah. Like, all those players that are, are very good um, and Sassuolo have, have been known to give people a shock, uh, you know, punch above their weight not quite the same way going down (laughs) but um yeah even though inter lost inter had 29 shots yeah and nearly four xg so it's not like for want of trying you know um it was just one of those like just one of those like weird ones that you you know sassuolo were able to take advantage of really good finishing from really good players but yeah milan i think drawing to you know, Salernitana who are most, most certainly going down to say, like that's yeah. really bad. I've, I, I will say the Milan get a little bit, you know, they get a little bit of a, of a boost by, by scoring the, the equalizer. And cause if they, I mean, if they had lost that game, that would have been truly unforgivable. Um, can you imagine? Oh my goodness. But, uh, the the interesting couple of points from this match are the fact that the goals for Salernitana were scored by Federico Bonazzoli, who is an Inter player on on loan there. Right. So Bonazzoli scores the the first for Salernitana, and he enjoyed he enjoyed that goal hugely. The second goal for Salernitana is scored by a guy whose first name is Milan. <laughs> <laughs> Milan Jurich scores the, scores the second. So like the weird <laughs> trivia of this match is that there was yeah, Inter and Inter Milan like scored the two Salernitana goals. Um but yeah, the I I think just a terrible result for AC Milan and and they've just had a weird stretch where they've 
they're still top, but they feel like more vulnerable than they did when they were chasing. Uh, it, it's just really strange. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as far as the as far as the Inter result, this Sassuolo team is like indecipherable to me because <laughs> they are so so good in big games. They're unbelievable. Like they show up in these big games, and they they are always like knocking off the big, big teams and then they'll go and play, you know, name a small, a smaller bottom half side in Italy and they will lose like guaranteed. They got knocked off. I think four nil by Sampdoria, like two weeks ago. I was just going to say Sampdoria. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> this, this hospital team, I was trying all night to think of like the right analogy for this. And I think, I, I think I've got there. <laughs> Sassuolo are like Matthew McConaughey in that like if he's showing up for like a random role in a small movie or something like that it's like eh he forgettable like <laughs> not really anything going on you know failure to launch let's, let's <laughs> oh my god absolutely <laughs> horrific movie but when he is cast in like a blockbuster or like a big movie or a really like hyped up movie, you know, whether it's like interstellar or Dallas Dallas buyers Buyers club. Yeah. Like (laughs) he just knocks it out of the park and is like unbelievable. He's just, and that is Sassuolo to me. Like they have their failure to launch against Sampdoria and then they come back and they are interstellar against Inter Milan. (laughs) That's amazing. Now we, We know why Austin FC are Arnetto Verdi as well. <laughs> it all it all oh. checks out. <laughs> it's like see see there. Boom, man! It's all connected. Boom. Whatever the tesseract. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Cagliari played Napoli today. Yeah, and they also, but you know, bottom of the league deserved their point. Yeah, had lots of the ball, didn't allow Napoli to settle. And as well, David Ospina also had a freaking howler yeah. on that Gaston Pereiro hopeful long shot yeah. outside the box. So a lot of parallels there, actually. And Napoli, another team that I don't, as much as I would love for them to win the Scudetto, I just don't trust them. Yeah. Um, and there's something about them that just feels vulnerable, um, you know, despite the fact that they've got some really good players and, and the like. So they drew as well. Um and Atalanta don't have any wins in their last five Serie A matches. So you worried about Atalanta even making Champions League, or what do you think about that? I think it's gonna. I think it's actually gonna be kind of a close run thing. Um, the I think the the shocking thing somewhat about Atalanta is how they've tried to like they've definitely been this like up and down kind of streaky team this year, and they've they've written some really good patches of form where there was a point in time where the way that the way that their attack was playing and the way that they were creating chances, I'm thinking like this team is capable of anything. Like this team is maybe even capable of challenging for the title. Um, and then they've just gone through this patch where they just, they seemingly can't do anything. And I think notably Duvan Zapata has been out um, recently, which he was such a, a big, uh, a, just a big piece for them. And despite the, they get Jeremy Boga 
From Sassuolo. Yeah. From Sassuolo, which was like a long time coming. And like this whole move was like, uh, it just seemed like it was kind of like happening in slow motion. Um, he starts in this one, but at the end against Fiorentina, Atalanta only fashioned seven shots. Um, Fiorentina have six and it's actually Piontek, the new signing for Fiorentina who, um, who, who grabs the winner. So yeah, I think, I think it's, this is just a weird, um, it's a weird period for, for Atalanta. Uh, Gasparini sent off in this one too, I think. Um, I did not clock that. Wow. (laughs) So it's like his second sending off of the season along with Mourinho. So they 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 like to get sent off on the same day. Apparently, it wasn't four this time on this match day, but right, right, um, just half that. But yeah, I, yeah, Atalanta. I think, I think, unfortunately, you know, they are they are back to, and you know, now the gap is is twelve from the top. So, and they've let Juventus actually sneak into fourth, uh, although Atalanta have a game in hand. So yeah, I think, I think at this point it's almost survival. And and right now it just seems like they just need a win to maybe turn this thing around. Otherwise, yeah, they're going to be Europa or, or potentially worse next season. Which is crazy that we're like expecting Atalanta in the <laughs> places, right? I mean, yeah, goodness. Yeah. There's, there's still time for them to turn around, but you make a good point about that focal point kind of lacking. Cause just looking at the goals that they've scored recently, like it's been someone different every time, which is usually like a hallmark of Atalanta. And we're not too concerned about that. But right now when that's happening and you're not getting the results, yeah, then yeah, it can be a little bit uh, dicey there. But speaking of Juve, they drew the Derby with Torino. Yeah. What'd you make of that? <sighs> I mean, this this derby i think has been well it's been one of those that hasn't been as competitive you know in recent years uh and the two Fair. the two clubs are often like quite distant from each other but it's always i think it's always been a little bit of a of a uh, of a potential you know trip up for for juve it um and uh and it proved it proved the same i think Again, I still don't I don't think this Juve team is very serious and I think they've they've kind of preyed <laughs> on the they've kind of preyed on this on some of the the vulnerabilities of of the, you know, the rest of the of the top 4, top 6 maybe um because they were I mean there was a period of time where they were, you know, in the bottom half <laughs> of of Serie A now to find themselves back and forth they've obviously they've obviously done done all right for themselves but um yeah it it's always nice to see Belotti get get a goal in the derby as well um that's for sure it's always enjoyable but um but yeah I think Torino too they've they've made much easier work of this season like last year they really labored to safety. Um, and they've actually, you know, they've done, they've done a good job this year of, of, of kind of remaining firmly mid table. Um, so yeah, I think credit, credit to Torino for, for salvage or not salvaging, but, but getting a good point. And I mean, statistically like limiting Juve similarly, where 
They, you know, were pretty even on shots. They, they only had three shots on target, but so did Juve. So, um, yeah, it was, a a, a well, a well-played match from, from Torino. And, and I mean, I'm sure they will be thrilled to take a point from, from a Derby at, at, uh, the Allianz or whatever it's called now. <laughs> right. Yeah. And absolutely. The, um, yeah, the, the, the Serie A title race for just to round things out, um, for, for now is Milan is still top on 56 points. So two points clear of inter Milan who have a game in hand, um, inter on 54 points and then Napoli level on 54 points, having played a game more, uh, Juve in fourth on 47 points. So it still does seem like a three team race, despite the dropped points. I I really don't think that three of these teams will drop that uh, a significant enough number of points for Juve to like sneak back in the, into the picture. But, um, but yeah, it, uh, it has certainly gotten very interesting. And uh, this weekend, it is another sort of uh, middling kind of weekend with the exception of Napoli's game against Lazio on Sunday. That is like the marquee matchup of the title contenders. But Milan face Udinese um, and interface struggling club Genoa. So um, again, it... <laughs> should be three points for the Milan clubs, but will they get the job done? And then a tough, a tough match against Lazio uh, in Rome uh, for Napoli. So that'll be, that'll be probably the one to watch. Um, But with the way these clubs are playing, any of these games could be, could get interesting and they're spread out. uh, It's interesting. The Milan, the Milan clubs both play on Friday. Um. Okay. So yeah, a little bit of an interesting one. Um, but anyways, uh, that is, that is Serie A as it stands. And I know we'll be watching the, the title race with tons of interest. Um, and I think now Mika would take a, take a quick break. And when we come back, we can talk about some La Liga and, and finish up with some Ligon. Welcome back to hardcore football. And, uh, we head to La Liga where, Mika is the title race effectively over uh, with Sevilla dropping points at Espanol. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I just thought of this. We we said that with the Premier League, the six point gap that the title race is well and truly on, but in La Liga, a six point gap is like nah, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> and and that is because, you know, Sevilla again dropped points to Espanyol, who, to be fair, Espanyol have been getting some really decent results lately. I mean, they beat Real Madrid back in October. They took points from Barca and Sevilla in back-to-back match days. So, um, you know, a La Liga club, but a newly promoted one nonetheless, um, is, is doing the business in, in, in the top flight. Um yeah, like I, I just can't see Sevilla making up the difference because of the way that they play. Um, they don't create a whole lot, and actually, they are really outperforming their XG actually by by quite a bit, by like six or seven goals last yeah. time I checked, which is not good for a team that doesn't score that much anyway. 
Right. So, um, you know, the underlying stats aren't great there either. Uh, and they are fighting on, on the European front as well. So I'm sure that that, you know, Sevilla are well seasoned side in that regard, but still it doesn't help to have all those fixtures. So, um, Madrid, I think are just, you know, a better side and will, and will be able to hang on to, to the lead that they've built up, smashed all of us, um, uh, pretty handily three nil. So yeah, I think Sevilla have just dropped too many points lately. It could all turn around. I mean, it's still, you know, it's February, a lot can change, but I think this is Real Madrid's, uh, league title to win. Um, and Sevilla will probably finish second. I mean, they have a good little lead over Real Betis, but, um, still got to play them in the cup too. So, yeah. uh, yeah. Um, or we'll already play them in the cup, obviously, but yeah, it's yeah, it just doesn't. It's just I don't believe in Sevilla. Is how I want to put that. I guess I don't <laughs> believe in them. I don't trust them. Yeah, to to really go all the way. So yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's always disappointing to see a side that has a front three of Rafa Mir, Lucas Ocampos, and Anthony Martial now um, generate <laughs> seven shots against a newly promoted side. Um, yeah, yeah. It just seems like, seems like they should be producing a little bit more. So yeah, disappointing day out for, out for Sevilla. Um, but, uh, elsewhere in the league, not, not such a disappointing day at Barca as uh, well at, at the Mestalla as, uh, Valencia went down, uh, four to one against Barcelona. And obviously this, the highlight of this match being the fact that new signing for Barca, who I asked, what's the point of signing Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, for Barcelona? (laughs) And he promptly goes and scores a a hat trick uh, against Valencia. Um, So his impact in this game clear, um, but we actually had a, qu- a question from a, a fellow gooner of yours at Dave at Dave uh, WA 16 TTS Dave Watts is Aubameyang going to have any meaningful impact on Barca over the course of the season. I mean, you know, recency bias will tell you absolutely. He yeah. scored a hat trick <laughs> against Valencia at the Mestalla. He scored hat tricks in now Ligue 1, the Premier League, La Liga, and the Bundesliga. So, I mean, you know, one of the best strikers of our generation, I think. Um, and, yeah, I think he will because this this Barcelona team is very young. And I think we saw Oba thrive off the youngsters in Arsenal before he went off the boil and, you know, fell out with Mikel Arteta, of course. So I think he can kind of replicate that in Barcelona. And sometimes, as we know, all, sometimes all the player needs to get the best out of themselves again is a change of scenery and it's a cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. It looks like that, that could be the case here with, with Pierre. Um, and I think he can really torture a lot of La Liga defenses that are, you know, not used to dealing with that kind of directness and pace. Um, I mean, the first goal is ridiculous. I mean, the long ball into the channel, um, and then he smashes it. So, I mean, like, you know, everything about that physically and technically was excellent. Um, the, other, you know, the other two goals were, or especially the last goal was pretty fluky, I think, but, um, he's yeah. getting into those positions. He's feeding off the youngsters, off Gavi, off Pedri, Frankie de Jong, 
um, you know, not not super young, but still younger than him for sure. Um, so yeah, I think for sure he will have a meaningful impact on Barcelona. And if if he becomes a bit part player, if the, the minutes needs to be managed, that's fine too because he can save up that energy to run against tired defenses. But yeah, he was he was excellent um, against Valencia. And on the Valencia side of the coin, I mean, they are just dreadful. Like yeah. they were so bad. Um, and I think time and patience is running out for Pepe Bordalas. Um, Valencia have the second worst defensive record in the league. Uh, and you know, that's, you would think that if anything, Pepe would make them a little bit more solid defensively. All they've gotten is more aggressive, uh, as the stats would show you. I mean, they, they foul a lot. They waste a lot of time They get a lot of cards, but they're not keeping their goals out. Um, and, 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 you know, he's playing center backs in midfield and what have you, and like just really angering the fans with some of the decisions that he's making. And, and Valencia's a big club. Like, you know, don't get it twisted just because they've got like a psycho for an owner <laughs> and, uh, you know, have gone through some turmoil in recent times doesn't mean that the fans aren't going to be demanding, uh, you know, and, and maybe even more so. Yeah. Uh, because if anything, they want stability on the pitch while the boardroom is a mess. But yeah, Valencia are just really going through it right now <laughs> and uh, they really should be doing better because they have a lot of quality players the likes of you know Carlos Soler who does score in this one to be fair yeah um Gaia Getche um Brian Hill looks really good on loan from Tottenham Hotspur so I mean the, the tools are there but I don't know that that Jose Bordelas is getting the most out of them yeah and I think I think in this one Valencia are a little unlucky not from a result standpoint because I think I think Barca would have won regardless, but they actually have two goals chalked off by VAR, which is just unlucky and feels very Valencia of, of them. Now the one was like clearly (laughs) offside. The other was, uh, it was one of those weird ones where I'm like, okay, well how far back in a move do you go? Because like the ball goes out of play at one point, like from Gaia in the buildup and it was just one of those where I'm like, do you really go back and like review for a throw in? Cause like, what's the statute of limitations on that? Like, you know, how, how long before a goal does it matter that it went out of play? Like, um, I think in that case it was like immediate enough for it to warrant the review. But, um, yeah, little bit of like bad luck, I guess, like the couple of times that Valencia put the ball in the back of the net, it was, you know, after, after something, um, reviewable, but, um, the other, I think from Barca's perspective, you know, the only, the only thing that's a little bit strange about this performance is they get the four goals, but they only have six or they only have seven shots in the whole game. So like, (laughs) there's a little bit of like, okay, well, what happens when like those don't all go in, you know, like where's (laughs) the rest of it? Um, but the, I mean, the finishing from Obama Yang throughout was was really good. The the De Jong chance, like he, I mean, he basically sl- is in the net with the ball, um, so there's no missing that. So I mean, they created some high quality chances. Um, I think the the signs are there for some of these young Barca players, like hitting their stride and maybe finding their finding their place in the in the first team. I didn't love the Xavi quote like after the game saying like, Oh, you know, uh, ideally like 
Frankie and Gavi and uh, and um, Pedri will like exceed what me and Iniesta and Sir, you know, Busquets did. And I was just like, okay, well, that's like. At least you're not putting too much pressure on these guys. Like they give Ansu Fati the 10 right after Messi leaves. They say, oh, like, you know, with any luck, like Pedri will be better than will be better than Iniesta. It's like, okay, well, Jesus Christ, he's 19. Maybe like let let him play a little bit before we just start crowning him the next Iniesta. Um, So, yeah, I I just think like there's this weird kind of complex in Barcelona where they're just obsessed with finding the next generation and making sure that like these young players coming through are those guys. And it's like, it's okay for Pedri and Gavi to like be Pedri and Gavi. Like it's okay that they're not named, you know, that they're not Iniesta or Xavi. Like just let them like be themselves and play their game. Cause right now it seems like that is having an impact um, and, and them being able to come through and, and exert, you know, assert themselves a little bit, like despite their, their young age, I think it's, I think it's helping this Barcelona team feel refreshed. Um, but sometimes that weight of expectation, it's like, Jesus Christ, man, like don't amp the pressure up on your squad even more than it already, already is just like by the very nature of like wearing Blaugrana. Sure. For sure. I mean, I've I've said in the past, if there's any club that needs to be a little disrespectful from time to time to their own history, it's Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> because they've got to evolve because um, these are very special players. Who knows? They could be better. Who knows? Yeah. But let that happen organically. Yeah, right. for sure. Um, yeah. Elsewhere, elsewhere in La Liga, just briefly, uh, I did want to give a shout out to your... Real Betis, uh, and, and a little bit of a close shave against Mallorca, uh, at home, yeah. but the result does keep them third. They dug it out after what looks like it could be just a draw at home. Um, having just come back from Russia after a, you know, a five goal thriller in, in the Europa league. So yeah, <laughs> um, really good results got a penalty as well. So yeah, I mean, everything just really ended up going Betis's way, but they did battle as well. So um, yeah, they're third and, and Manuel Pellegrini is just, just doing a fantastic job. Like uh, he should be up for manager of the year awards. Truly. I mean, the where Betis was when he came in to now is just ridiculous. Like it's such a quick turnaround. Yeah. Um, and, and, and everyone seems to just believe in him and uh, yeah, sometimes I get a little annoyed with his rotation, but it keeps yielding results. So <laughs> let's learn it, to live with it. And it's, it's not like they've had some like massive investment. I mean, really Hector, Hector Bayerian aside, like they haven't really had a whole host of transfers or anything like that to remake the squad. Um, Willie and Jose, they bring, you know, they bring back to, to La Liga, but a lot of these players were already in the team, like when he arrived. Um, yeah. and I mean, he's on me. Like he yeah. at some points looked like he couldn't kick a football and now he's like double digit goal score. Like yeah. it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I just think that, like you said, the job he's done is, has, I think it's flown under the radar and somehow I think Betty Betis in general have kind of flown under the radar because I mean, they're above Barcelona. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
sure. Yeah, no. Hashtag always watch Betis. Like, yeah, it's 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 good football too. Like they are entertaining, and and effective. So yeah. So yeah, the uh, the the weekend in La Liga was it was rounded out um, at the end of the day yesterday on, on that is Sunday evening by a Basque derby, which I, we'd be remiss not to mention the fact that Athletic Club uh, blew away their their uh, local rivals uh, La Real um, and uh, yeah, Real Sociedad zero uh athletic bilbao four at the san mames yeah oh my goodness what a ridiculous second half it was i watched the first half at the gym and i was like all right like this will be cool like just get on the treadmill watches it was awful the first half was so boring (laughs) it was was like um yeah it was like that uh uh, let the potato rest meme like it was like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was like this could be good, but it needs like it needs to just warm up a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it exploded into life in the second half, as you said. Athletics score four goals. Yeah, when Yain was involved, Oyhan uh, um, Sanset, who I know we had a question about, um, it, it, like just ridiculous. And I, I think the question was from at Jaimito Crack Seven, who said, "How good is Oyhan Sanset? Come on." He's very good, yeah. um, and he might be like the spiritual successor to Aritzarudith. Um, not you know, we just talked about putting too much pressure on lads, but <laughs> 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 I mean, in the case of Athletic Club, like that's all you can really look to because they can't buy players in the same way that other clubs can. Yeah. So, um, not saying that they're s- like super similar. I mean, Oyan's I think a lot more like technically gifted. Um, than Aduith was, but sure. to have the same, you know, nose for goal, rangy, tall, Basque, all those things. Um, and yeah, Athletic just ripped Real Sociedad apart. And I, I you know, on on Larrael's part, I think the lack of goals is really concerning. Um, for example, bottom of the league, Levante have scored one more than them, which yeah. like Levante are like certainly like going down. So to ha- to be in that kind of company, goal scoring wise, is not good. And I know that they were missing key players like like Isak, Baranechea, Yanosai, and all those. But you you still expect, I think, a little bit more from from Aguasil's men. And it's a derby; like you should be able to get up for this, right? And they just did not exerted no control over midfield, were just really passive in a lot of ways, and and a lot of the moves that they were trying were just not working out. Um, and Athletic made them pay in the second half, and I mean, it was just. You know, it, and then it's one of those games, too, where, I mean, it's a derby. So, like, the whole week you're going to be getting, like, shit on at the water cooler <laughs> at work. Like, by your athletic supporting friends if you're a, a Real Sociedad fan. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it was a really good game, though, at least for the second half. Yeah, I, I love the uh, I love the the atmosphere, too, in, in San Mames. Like, it wasn't full fully full because a lot of Spain is, is still under like certain restrictions in terms of like COVID and, and all that stuff. But um, yeah, the, the scenes in the stands were, were really great. And just like the reactions of the, of the Bilbao support of the athletic club supporters, like just really amazing. Um, the, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned Oihan Sunset and I think like, again, maybe a player that's flown a little bit under the radar, like 
more broadly, it, you know, in the, in the footballing consciousness, like this collective hive mind right. that we all live in. Um, and, uh, and he's into double digits for goals and assists this year and just 21 years old as well. So, um, one to look out for, he's got six goals and four assists, um, for an athletic club team that just, again, not like the most prolific, um, in terms of goal scoring, like 29 and 25. So, uh, he's been one of the, the, the very, very bright spots for this athletic club side. And I don't think it would be shocking to, to see him entertain some, some potential suitors in the, in the near future. Not to say that I think he should leave, uh, by any stretch, but, um, but yeah, he's, I think he's going to draw some attention, um, especially with the, yeah, his style of, of play. And I think there will be a lot of clubs who might see him as someone who could fit into their attacking setup. Yeah, no, I, I saw some Atletico de Madrid fans saying like, wow, he would be something else for us. And you never know. But I mean, those bad <laughs> like, boys are, are loyal as hell too. So we'll like, see. So you can ruin him like you ruined <laughs> Joao, Joao Felix. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, I kid, obviously there's a lot going on at, at, at Letty and I'm not gonna, I don't want to drag them too they, much. They won the... at El Sadar though. They did. Which is not an easy thing to go and do and, and actually Joao Felix played really well. So, yeah. and they got a clean sheet, which is like a novelty these days, <laughs> which is a ridiculous <laughs> thing to say, but yeah, they had a decent weekend. Yep. Real Madrid, Real Madrid got the win against Alaves as well, which obviously, you know, I think you'd expect them to, but, um, it does leave, as you mentioned, Real Madrid top of the league at the moment, 57 points, six points clear of second place Sevilla, um, Real Betis, uh, 11 points off the pace. So it really is, uh, Real Madrid's to lose, um, and, and Sevilla with only one win in five, um, likely not the challengers that that uh madrid will uh really be fearing um as they as they trot they have to go win the europa league (laughs) (laughs) again are in it so we'll see they have to go win it again (laughs) (laughs) oh geez um well Mika, the last the last little bit here is on one of the one of the probably the most remarkable results of the weekend, just in terms of like pure shock value. Um, Nance three, Paris Saint Germain one. Um, this this was a weird weird match, um, and not least of all because Nance uh, are fifth in in Liga Un as a result. Absolute madness. Um, yeah, they're, they're full value for the win. They were really, really good. Um, just some really nice goals. I mean, they were just good all over the pitch because Colomani, side foot finish for the opener, beautiful. Merlon Screamer for the second. But then Alban Lafont in goal, just unbeatable. I mean, yeah. he he's... He's well-known, I think, to most by now. Very promising player. Came out of Toulouse, went over to Fiorentina for a little bit, and now he's back in Liga. And, I mean, he looks like he could certainly, between him and Mayon, you know, could battle it out to take over for Hugo Lloris in the long run for, for France. Um, but, yeah, Nance were really good. And 
the fact that they're fifth is insane because I remember sp- you and I talking on this podcast last season being like, what a shambles. Like, <laughs> you know, Kumbare's come in and it's like, what What are we expecting from this man that's gone to like Genka, Dijon, and like Toulouse? Like, he, he you know, he hasn't been like excellent his most notable achievements up until this point has been like getting relegated (laughs) (laughs) yeah and he was very like nonchalant at his opening pressure like i'll never forget it like how like meh he was about getting the job but he's (laughs) doing like really really well with not and um fair play to them because yeah what a turnaround um they could be challenging for (laughs) for europe which is nuts so yeah um and psg i mean what I mean, I've said this before on the pod too. At points during this game, the front three wasn't even in the picture, and that just tells you a lot. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think PSG knew that they're going to be carrying these players, Messi and Mbappe, and Neymar. But it's just like embarrassing at times that how how unapologetic they are about not defending you know what i mean yeah um because yeah. there's definitely players in, in every team that you kind of have to carry a little bit but the three of them are so just like you know what this is <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? like that, to the rest of their teammates and it's just really crazy like and, and it's not to say that any of them like played poorly like mbappe probably could have scored a couple goals Messi was actually very good i thought um he had some chances as well uh, but yeah, no, we're just the, the better team on the day and, and really fed off the atmosphere. So fair play to them. PSG still walking the league, but yeah. Yeah. A, uh, yeah, yeah. And it is not, uh, PSG still have a 13 point gap on, on Marseille who are somehow second. They went and lost to nil to Claire Montfort this weekend. So Ridiculous. that's, that's second place. Um, but yeah, no, uh, now after a few of the results, since this result have shaken out, they, they are seventh, uh, okay. just with how the, how the rest of the table played out. But at the moment when they won this game, they were up, up to fifth. Um, the Merlon goal, the second goal for Nance is is like my favorite because it's just one of those that like he runs onto it and hits it and it just stays hit. Um mm-hmm. and it just ball stayed ball. <laughs> just <laughs> continues to rise. Um <laughs> the funny thing about this Nance conversation too with the Kumbare and like <laughs> this tweet kind of did the rounds this weekend from from Zach Lowy, who's obviously a really good a really good football Twitter follow for the for any of you out there. His his website Breaking the Lines has a lot of really good pieces and articles and and all kinds of stuff. But he uh, highlighted in a press conference that Antoine Kumbare like admitted or confirmed that his club does not have a recruitment department. Um, <laughs> And this oh is, gosh. he stated, he stated that his friends called him to recommend the signing of Ghana winger Osman Bukhari <laughs> and the club promptly signed him on loan from Ghent. So like his buddies are literally WhatsApping him like players to sign and he's in the top half of Liga. <laughs> so he's just vibing it. Uh, a that. club, a club surviving purely on vibes. I love that. And they beat I love they, that for them. They beat 
the biggest club, like one of the biggest clubs in Europe with the easily, you know, with the most prominent player, probably two of the most prominent players in the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, I have to say though, Arsenal are in the market for a striker. And I think Kolomuani is someone they should look at. He seems to have everything that we need in terms of height, pace, the finishing and actually being decent, on the ball too as a dribbler and as a passer so yeah just saying yeah the way i mean the way that like i actually really love in that opening goal the way that he is involved like receives the ball on the wing and then is receiving the return pass in the box to finish it off like such a good move yeah, yeah. It, he he just that's not something that you always see in terms of like, obviously forwards will often, you know, bust a lung to try to get into the box and score, but it wasn't an obvious like scoring or crossing opportunity. He picks it up like near halfway. Yeah. When he lays it off initially. So yeah, I mean that it's not, it's not a bad shot. He covers, (laughs) he covers like 65 yards in like, (laughs) three seconds seemingly so um yeah i think he's a very very interesting player and one that you we might even do like not on the cheap but like cheaper than some of the the comparable the analogs i guess and he's he's a big boy too so i mean theoretically could really uh thrive in the premier league you would think yeah shoot an offer to kumbare on whatsapp and (laughs) (laughs) it's really that easy (laughs) good god deal deal done um (laughs) uh so yeah league on unfortunately unlike last season like we we had such a blast like talking about league on and the title race and leal you know finally like claiming the title this year it it just the inconsistency from the from the entire league has has let PSG like waltz to a title domestically, but the I mean the the question marks around PSG as as you said like they're they're just I think when you look at the other big prominent teams in Europe, the only I mean there's not really another big one that you have like these sort of serious question marks about, I would say Bayern Munich recently have like, there have been some eyebrows raised at some of their recent results. Um, sure. But I think we've seen over the, over the, you know, course of the season that Nagelsmann has like a good, a good plan and a good setup. And they've, they've gotten, you know, a song out of players. Like as they go, I think PSG is just one of those where, it just feels like Pochettino really hasn't ever like gotten his hands around this. And maybe he was given like an impossible task in like, Hey, turn these players into some like form of a cohesive unit um, and go win the champions league. It feels almost like a fool's errand at this point. (laughs) Well, and the thing is they may well win the champions league. It is a knockout tournament where, you know, the thing, things that happen in a match can turn the tide and and, and then you're off and, and winning. But it's, yeah. I mean, this is just a side that doesn't really like suit him and his strengths. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, yeah, it does seem like a fool's errand and it does seem like 
who I don't know who could do better. Maybe like Ancelotti or like I know Zidane gets thrown around and stuff yeah. like that. And and the names that get thrown around to replace him are all about like managing egos, which just tells you a lot, right? right? <laughs> um, so yeah, PSG are just. It's like a circus, but they are a serious, huge European club that yeah. that have have aspirations for winning everything. So, um, d- re- despite all of that, the the demands remain high, and he's got to meet those, or he'll be gone. Yeah. Um. Well, Mika, on to on to now the as we as we close things out. Um. Every every episode, we add a couple of songs to our sounds of the season playlist. A nice little nice little playlist of alternative music for um for those of you who are into that sort of thing and uh so we add a couple of tracks each episode you can find it on spotify by searching sounds of the season um season two and you can also find season one on there so you can see what we if you haven't listened along you can uh see what we had on there last year as well um but miko what are you bringing uh to the playlist this time around yeah, so I have gone with a song called Bankrupt by Silverstein, one of their newer songs. Just really, it just goes really hard. Like, it was a, <laughs> it was a song that was getting me going at the gym while I was trying to survive that horrible first half of the <laughs> last derby. Um, and then the other song that I picked is a song by Volbeat. They're a, a Danish band. Mm-hmm. It's a song called Still Counting. Uh, it's very different from what we usually put on the the playlist. I think they're more of like a rock and roll like rockabilly kind of band i'm actually seeing them live next week so oh dope um that'll be fun um but the reason that i've put them on here the real reason is because they're from denmark and jack wilshire has just signed for a (laughs) danish club our host so shout out to super jack for finally landing uh, a contract with a team he'll be there for at least until the end of the season and Honestly, I think like he can still play, and he's just been very, very unlucky with the injuries. But yeah. I always have a special place in my heart for him. He's been training with Arsenal, and I'm just happy for him. I think people are like kind of taking the piss out of it, but it's like it's still a serious like professional football club. I think it's great. Yeah, and I mean all this just to just to you know impress uh, El Paso Locomotive enough to to sign him. <laughs> Please, like he would be, he'd be an immediate upgrade on some of our options. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope he can stay fit. And I, I forget who told me that there's some Den- Danish football on ESPN Plus. Like I might have to actually go take a look at that just to see what the hell is going on over there. For sure. But uh, yeah. Yeah, the uh, yeah, yeah. Choices, choices this week. I had, I had a couple. So I mean, the first one. I was actually like kind of randomly listening to this album today and it, it took me back um, to like late 2000s scene, you know, metalcore sort of sort of vibes. And it's a, a song by uh, a band called The Word Alive um, called Battle Royale, which was off like their first EP, which they re-recorded for their first album. Um, and I remember <laughs> seeing this song live in, uh, in Poughkeepsie, New York, uh, at a place called the loft, uh, when, and it was them, the it was them. And we yeah. came as Romans playing a joint headlining tour, like when they had their first EPs out or whatever. Um, 
back when they had like first gotten signed and everything. So anyways, I say battle Royale because that's how, that's how Serie A's title race is feeling. Like everybody's <laughs> in the mix and just like body blows like all around. Um, so yeah, just a total fight, uh, to the end. And then, uh, and then <laughs> the second, the second song that I chose, this is, there's a little twofold here, but I, I chose, um, the song Anthem by, by bring me the horizon. Um, which there's really two reasons for this. The first is Mika, have you seen Ed Sheeran and bring me the horizons collab collab? at, at the Brit awards? (laughs) So first of all, Holy shit. That was a cool, like that was so fucking cool. Like I had, I had a moment, um, where I was like, I literally was thinking of, you know, like 2000 and, whatever, like five fill listening to pray for plagues. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like just like old school, bring me the horizon. And so like for them to be playing this massive show with like, you know, millions of viewers, all that stuff with Ed fucking Sheeran, like jamming out and Ollie Sykes, like screaming and shit. It was just like the craziest thing. And so it got me on this whole kick of just like listening to old bring me the horizon. Cause it was just like getting me, getting me like nostalgic. And, uh, so as I was listening through it, I tweeted about this earlier. I came to the realization that for my money, uh, their third album, which is called there's a hell, believe me, I've seen it. There's a, whatever. It's a long, it's a long name, but there's a hell, you know, that album is just so good because it hits that sweet spot like of they were still like a pretty significantly like heavy kind of like metalcore e sort of band but they had some of those like more experimental elements coming into their music that they've explored now like where they explored like some of the synths and some of the like other kind of more like anthemic sort of things um, that give them like this big sound now where they can play on a stage with Ed Sheeran at a TV award show. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so uh, Anthem is the song I picked because um, it feels like a little football, you know, anthems uh, and all those things. But it also like for me, it's also just a really, good like it's got some really good heavy parts to to jam out to um for those of you who don't listen to this type of music though i cannot i cannot recommend watching the the ed sheeran and bring me the horizon like collab at the brit awards enough because it is this like pop hard rock sort of like collaboration um and my wife who is not into the sort of music that I am, but is a huge Ed Sheeran fan actually thinks that that version of the song is the better version of, oh, ba- wow. of bad habits. So crossover. Yeah. Crossover so appeal. yeah. So, <laughs> so for anyone who's like, eh, I'm not really into that sort of thing. Like listen to that, to that performance and listen to the live one. Cause they've since released a studio version, which is very good. But some of the ad libs and like live things that are done um, in the live performance for me makes it the better version. So anyways, give it a look. It's on YouTube. You can't hardly miss it. Um, So definitely, uh, definitely check that out, even if you're not into that sort of music, because 
I think, I think there's something for everyone in that, in that performance trigger warning. There is a dude who does some weird, like, uh, (laughs) like contortionist shit. So if you don't like watching people like dislocate their limbs, then like maybe just listen to the audio. But yeah, anyways, It's a guy in a shop shopping cart. It's very bring me the horizon in terms of like, there's a guy in a shopping cart doing contortionist. It, it's, it's very weird. Anyways, <laughs> the, the bring me the horizon boys are all big football fans. So and yeah, have a lot of like football related songs and lyrics. So that's, that's a good shout. Sheffield, uh, Sheffield boys as well. Yorkshire, Yorkshire boys. So, um, I know one of them, I think the bassist is actually a city fan. Oh, like Manchester <laughs> like city, Manchester city. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> and I think some of them are United fans. I don't know if, uh, yeah, I forget where I read that, but yeah, very interesting. <laughs> hmm. I'm interested. Oh yeah. Matt Keen. I was hoping that, cause I know they're, well, the original band is from Sheffield. I don't know how much of the band is even like still, right the originals aside from, from Ollie, but, um, right, right, right. But even so, you know, Sheffield United's rise has only been in like recent years back to prominence. So it wouldn't be like outside the realm of possibility that they would lean towards one of the big like nineties clubs. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Good shouts though. I like it. And they are all now added to the playlist. Dope. Yeah, check it out on Spotify. You can add and follow the playlist so you can it just updates on its own in your library and you don't have to do anything. It'll just will send you new tracks every once in a while. Um and uh yeah, so hopefully you check that out and enjoy. Uh and while you're there uh on Spotify, if that's where you do listen to us or whichever podcast platform you're on, um, if you'd be so kind as to subscribe and uh, you get the podcast straight into your feed uh, when we post it. And uh, and also follow us on Twitter at HXC Football. Um, and you can get all of our all of our opinions and different rants and see new episodes and, and all those things. So, um, yeah, give us a follow. Join along for what promises to be a really uh, intense end to the season and hopefully a, an exciting uh, couple of title races here. Um, and... We've got with Champions League ongoing, we'll have plenty to talk about on the European fronts as well with with Champions League and Europa League. So, um, yeah, stay tuned for it all. And uh, until next time, guys, hope everyone stays safe and through the various winter weathers and, and various things going on. And yeah, we'll see you next time.